Hello, wonderful community of listeners, and welcome to another episode of Creativity Lives Here, a podcast designed to support you with tapping into your peak creative potential. So right before I started recording this, I heard the spring birds outside big time. They seem to have quieted down a little bit now, but if you can hear them in the background at any point, I hope that you enjoy listening to that sound just as much as I do. Um, I just think it's such a, a lovely, soothing and inspiring sound. And it's one of my favorite things during the springtime. So that might be the little background soundtrack as I record this introduction. I have a few short announcements before I dive into speaking about what I'll be sharing during today's conversation. One of the things that I've been working on is creating a monthly newsletter for all of you. And the way that I described this a couple of days ago when I did an Instagram stories about it is I kind of see it as a little creative goodie bag, a little goodie bag of all the things that are currently going on in my life. So things that I'm learning, content that I've been loving, personal life updates, favorite products and practices, my favorite creations that I've created, challenges I've been experiencing, just a little monthly recap that I'm sharing with all of you. So if you want to receive that, there's a link for that in my bio where you can sign up. And other than that, I am still doing intro calls for Creative Space. Those are free. And Creative Space is my newest coaching creation that I've come out with, which is a nine-week experience for women who want to bring their creative visions to life. It's a really special experience and creation, and I'm so proud of it, and I'm so excited for anybody who feels called to experience that. So I'm also going to include more information for that down in the show notes. I am feeling a wonderful sense of calm focus today. I feel like my whole day has just felt like calmly moving from one flow state to another as I dive into and complete different tasks. What I can attribute this to is A, a new meditation practice that I've started. I started that about, I want to say one or two months ago. And B, I attribute it to a training that I've been doing for about the past eight months called neurofeedback, which is the subject of today's conversation. Don't you love how I segued into that? I'm very proud of that. Um, but this is really true. I have been feeling this wonderful sense of calm focus, and I am pretty, pretty certain that neurofeedback has something to do with that. So in today's episode, I share a fascinating conversation with Elena Ricci, who is a psychologist and neurofeedback specialist. She runs her own neurofeedback practice called Lernwerk, and she has two locations in the Zurich area. And if you happen to live in Zurich and you would like to train with Elena or her staff, after listening to this conversation, you feel intrigued, then you can check out her website by going to the show notes. And I'll also mention that even though her practice is based in Zurich, which is a German-speaking area, you can train in English as well. My husband has been training with Elena, and he only speaks English, and many of her staff members as well as Elena herself speak English. So you have that opportunity open for you. And if you don't live in Zurich, but you're intrigued by neurofeedback, Elena will be sharing some tips during this conversation on how you can choose a neurofeedback specialist that would be a good fit for you. So just to give you a little bit more background before we dive into today's conversation, because a lot of people haven't heard about neurofeedback, which I find kind of baffling because it is such an incredible 
and effective tool. Yeah, it's just kind of bizarre to me that not more people know about it. So I'm really excited to bring this conversation to at least my community of listeners. So all of you know that this is a resource that is available for you. As I've mentioned before on this show, one of my main missions with this podcast and with my work in general is to give you as many tools as I possibly can to support you with tapping into your peak creative potential. And I believe that neurofeedback is definitely one of those tools. So many of you probably have never heard of neurofeedback before. Maybe you've heard about it, but you don't really know what it is. You're probably wondering what the heck I'm babbling on about. Essentially, neurofeedback is a form of biofeedback, which allows you to train different brain waves and optimize the self-regulation of your brain. And explained very simply, um, I'm just going to speak from my own experience So when I go in for a training, sensors are placed on specific areas of my scalp, and these measure the activity of my brain waves. And then the training itself consists of watching a movie, which is really fun because I've been able to catch up on so many movies for the past eight months, thanks to this training. So the training consists of watching a movie, and then when my brain does the right thing, the movie keeps playing. And if my brain doesn't do what it's supposed to do, the movie gets interrupted. So over the course of this training, your brain will learn more and more how to do the right thing so that it gets rewarded, aka so that the movie keeps playing. This is my very simple explanation of this process, and Elena is going to go into much more detail and explain how it works from her expert perspective. But just so you understand a little bit more about neurofeedback, essentially it can help with things like concentration, attention challenges, ADHD, impulse control, better sleep, It can improve different types of anxiety, speech disorders, dyslexia, compulsive behavior, any kinds of challenges caused by stress, as well as so many other things. And for me specifically, I've noticed really big improvements in the overall quality of my sleep, my ability to focus for longer periods of time, which in turn has allowed me to tap into deeper and longer creative flow states like the ones that I described at the beginning of this intro. I've also experienced a reduction in anxiety. And this training has also supported me on my journey of healing a chronic pain experience that I've been going through. So that has been really cool to witness as well. And another really cool benefit that I've noticed is, so as I've mentioned, my partner, my husband, Renee, has also been doing this training. And one thing that I've noticed in our relationship is that not only do we get into fewer arguments, not that we even argue that much, but um, I've definitely noticed that we have had fewer arguments or disagreements. And when one of us or both of us is upset about something, we don't hold on to that feeling of being upset. It's kind of like we'll feel it for a moment or a short while, and then it's just really easy to let it go. So that's been a really cool side effect of this training as well. So neurofeedback is just a really amazing tool, and the way I see it is that it just helps you accelerate whatever you want to work on and essentially helps you get somewhere more quickly. So I've been working on reducing anxiety and improving my focus. And I've also been using mind-body exercises to support me with healing chronic pain. And I found that this neurofeedback training has helped me with all of these things much more quickly than if I would have used other methods. And by the way, this episode is not sponsored in any way. I'm just genuinely sharing a tool that has been so immensely helpful for me. And I want all of you to know about it. 
And in my opinion, Elena is a true expert in her field, and it's such a treat and honor to have her on the show today. Also, because she's just such a sunshine of a person, having this conversation with her was truly wonderful and fascinating. So I've probably gotten you all curious about neurofeedback now. So let's dive into today's show. First of all, I studied psychology at the University of Zurich. And after my master, I had the chance to work at Stednitz. And one day, the CEO Ulrike came in and brought a little um, neurofeedback equipment with her. And I was suddenly keen on it because there was a story behind when I was about 12 years old. I read a book about um, super learning. And there was written that alpha waves, a special brainwave pattern, is good for learning. And at that time, the, the EEG labs were very huge and very expensive. And so now the CEO came in with a little tiny neurofeedback equipment. And so we could um, measure our brain waves. That was actually the start into a new world for me. Also for Switzerland, I think, because um, we were one of the first neurofeedback practitioners in Switzerland. And therefore, there wasn't anybody who could have taught us this uh, kind of work. And um, luckily, we had the fortune that a lot of very good neurofeedback specialists in USA, in um, Brazil, and also in St. Petersburg helped us to learn neurofeedback. And so I got into contact with um, Peter van Doysen and Kolura and Eduardo Rogatti and Yuri Kopotov. And this was such an important time for us to build up neurofeedback. After a while, three uh, years ago in 2003, I started my first own neurofeedback center in Winterthur. And seven years later, there came, there was um, one, I built one in uh, Stefa. Um, both of them are near Zurich. And now, 18 years later, I have a team of 10 psychologists and we do neurofeedback for every age. We do coaching for learning, learn coaching, and we do social competency. That's such a cool story. I, I'm i so grateful for your neurofeedback business. Um, I've been training with your trainers for, I think, the past eight months. Yes. And I've experienced just such a big positive difference in my life. I think many listeners don't know what neurofeedback actually is. So let's just go way back to the basics. If you could explain what neurofeedback is. I would love to do that for you. Okay, neurofeedback is a computer-based brainwave training. And um, the client watches a movie while we measure the brainwaves. And each time the client show, shows brainwaves patterns, which we won't um, see actually. For example, we don't need um, underactivated brainwave patterns in the frontal area of your head when we're doing a task because then we are not concentrated enough. So if somebody shows this kind of brainwave patterns, the film, the movie stops. And afterwards, when the client shows brainwave patterns which are more enhanced, more fast wave um, fast brain waves, then the movie goes further. So after three minutes, the brain realizes why the movie stops. Because everything which occurs at the same time, the brain sets that into correlation. And because the brain doesn't have 
doesn't like it so much if something doesn't work as it would be, like for example, say the film doesn't go on. So um, it tries to um, avoid these kind of brainwave patterns. So uh, in a way, it's really a training where we say we uh, support the brain to show these brainwave patterns which make a person more uh, attentive, more relaxed. And we try to, to um, guide the, the brain to a state without stress brainwave patterns or underactivated brainwave patterns. It's like neurofeedback is actually as the same as when you start um, playing golf or playing the violin. You really have to exercise that you get better. And that's why it is a training. You start um, about once a week for 45 minutes and the training goes, goes about 40 weeks long. This is because when we change something in our brain, the brain builds up new synaptical pathways. And these, for that, you have to um, repeat this kind of thinking. And after about 30 times, the brain um, just leaves the old pathways and take the new one. So that means that After the first 10 times of neurofeedback, you realize a change for about three or four days. But afterwards, the brain goes back to the old state. And our goal is it that the brain just uses the new pathways. And that's why um, we train longer than um, about 10 or 20 times. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I, I have to say that having experienced the training myself, that's really what I experienced too. Um, and it's interesting because now I've done more than 40 trainings and I'm finding that at this point, I, I keep going deeper and deeper into experiencing changes, which has also been really cool. Yeah. And I'm excited that I get to keep up with the trainings and to see where I'm still going to go with it. Um, so for people who are interested, what kinds of things can neurofeedback help with and who can benefit from neurofeedback? Almost everybody can benefit from neurofeedback because nowadays it's so important to um, be aware of the fitness of the brain. If you see the amount of, um, uh, of dementia cases and so on. And everybody is going to the fitness center, but not so many people do something for their brains. But in our center, we have, um, for example, little children with um, uh, language processing or speech um, problems or um, Asperger. Then school kids profit when they have... Um, Test anxiety or ADHD, impulse control, um, hyperactivity, but also the combination with logotherapy would be a, a, a great benefit that we do neurofeedback on the language areas, for example, and um, the logotherapists um, uh, exercises, um, all the other things for the, the, the teenagers. There come other problems into, into it. For example, mood problems, um, the first depressions sometimes, but also anxiety, ADHD, impulse control and procrastination. At the moment, we have a lot of proc procrastination cases also with the lockdown in Switzerland and so yeah. on. And the adults come because of stress. Stress is number one. Um, it goes together with panic and anxiety, also mood and depression and um, word finding. So that's actually um, what, what we see in our practice the most. It's really amazing how many different things neurofeedback can address. Yes, it's so important and so um, 
um, so interesting because um, it depends on which brain part you train. So where the electrodes, electrode positions are and which kind of frequency you train. Because we have a lot of different frequencies like uh, the gear, um, the gears from a car. Mm -hmm. For example, we have three sleeping waves. This is delta, deep sleep, theta and alpha. And we have awake waves like, for example, low beta, beta, then the stress wave, high beta and gamma for binding. And so it's really interesting that where you put your electrodes and which kind of frequency you, um, you uh, reward, um, the outcome is different, different. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And. I feel it's also important to say that neurofeedback is not only helpful for addressing problems, but you can also use it for peak performance or to, um, to, to get better at things, essentially. Exactly. That's what I wanted to say. Peak performance is a, is a big issue, for example, for sports people, but also for, um, for CEOs. And, uh, for other people who really want to, who really have to stay on track, um, with speeches, with all the stress things they have to manage. And peak performance is really such a interesting, um, subject as well as, um, meditation, which you can also do with neurofeedback. Okay. So say more about that. I'm curious about that. So, um, there is, uh, one uh, part of neurofeedback, which is called neuromeditation. And neuromeditation is actually um, meditation under the support of neurofeedback. This means that um, instead of watching a film, you get uh, into a state with eyes closed and you listen to your preferred music. And in this moment, when you show these brain patterns, which on this, um, support your meditation style, um, then the music gets louder. And if there come stress waves in, then the music diminishes. And so you can guide your brain into altered state of consciousness. Wow. This is amazing. Um, and does this work with any kind of meditation practice you may have? So like you can bring your own meditation practice to this um, form of training or does it only work for certain types of meditation? Yes, we actually have at the moment four different types of meditation we can practice with. And whenever somebody comes and wants to do anything like, for example, focus meditation or a quiet mind, then we can do that. So um, have, have you done this before as well? Or are you practicing this right now? Yes, I have done that before. And I am really, I really like meditating a lot of years now. And I think the synergy between brainwaves and altered states are so important nowadays because this is a good practice to get rid of stress. And um, there are really um, different kind of meditation states which you can train and support it by um, neurofeedback. And for example, one of these is focus. It's um, attention guiding, like for example, when you have problems with attention and this should increase vigilance motivation and selective attention and therefore the client um, imagines with his inner eye an object like for example a flower a buddha or a candle and the music and the neurofeedback points help them to go into this relaxing state or in this focused state then there is also um, a well-known meditation practice. Um, it's called mindfulness. Mindfulness is um, against anxiety and stress. And in there, it should be 
important to be present um, and to realize if the mind wanders into the past or into the future. And our thoughts produce a feeling and so we get stuck in the past. And with mindfulness, we observe our own thoughts and come back to here and now. And um, techniques which um, give, uh, which uh, practice also besides besides um, neuromeditation, is that um, the person does body scan, like being aware of certain parts of the body, or counting the breath, or coming back. Um, as if we observe um, during meditation our mind and we uh, realize when um, the mind wanders that you can come back, for example, with a word, like a word, be aware or be here again or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the third thing we do is open heart meditation. I like this one of meditation the most, actually, because it's something wonderful. It opens your heart chakra or your um, energy centers of the heart, and it helps a lot with depression. For example, you lay a hand over your heart and breathe in and out your favorite color. I often do that with pink and um, the meditation, the music during neuromeditation, which gets louder when you are in this, in this um, loving uh, atmosphere, then um, you really sense that there is a feeling of thankfulness, gratefulness and love. And we also support the people um, then that they should do a diary about thankfulness and gratefulness and write in all these wonderful things they have seen and um, experienced the day through. That's so beautiful. It's interesting because I started a new meditation practice about a month, a month and a half ago. Um, and it combines mindfulness, meditation, gratitude, and there's a manifestation portion as well. And it's been really cool because I feel like the combination of that meditation practice and the neurofeedback training have been really powerful. But it's so interesting that I could actually combine the meditation with the neurofeedback. Yeah. So I'm, I might even want to explore that. Yes. And it's really something new in our practice. I uh, learned that about two years ago from Jeff Tarrant in USA and all of those meditation um, protocols are based um, on science. And um, so it's wonderful to see that even though you're already a an experienced meditation practice practitioner that you can get so much deeper into a state and stay there longer. And this is actually uh, wonderful. But also for people who have difficulties with meditating, because, you know, um, these um, rushing thoughts and um, this kind of drowsiness when you go into meditation, um, neuro meditation can help to this um, beginning beginners um, feelings because the neurofeedback uh, says suddenly, oh yes, you did it right, go this way or no, um, um, come back to the other way. So it guides you through this state and the support of the different um, brain areas which help to keep to shut up <laughs> the mouth actually <laughs> of, of, uh, of uh, uh, during speaking in the speaker or um, to help to go into a flow state of alpha combined with gamma, you um, never have that for such a long time if you don't have somebody who says, yes, you did it right, does that, do that again, and so on. And so you are much faster in your development. Yeah, and I think that's actually one of the things I find so cool about neurofeedback in general is that 
it speeds up whatever you want to do. So something that might take you, I don't know, five or 10 years to work on, you can get there in like a few months. Yes, um, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, same with what you just said with the meditation, like to get into a really deep me meditation state, maybe it would take someone many years to get to that place, but it sounds like with the neuro meditation, it can happen much faster. Yes, exactly. Because the right neural structures are put on mm -hmm. and so it can be easier. So... As you know, this podcast is about creativity, so I want to bring creativity into the conversation a little bit as well. What I'm really curious to hear is how can neurofeedback and also neuromeditation help with help people with tapping into their peak creative potential? Yes, this is a really interesting topic because um, nowadays we made a research in our center. Actually, Julia Bukaiska made it. And it was interesting because she measured creativity under um, the condition of rewriting a given text and under the condition to creative writing, so crea uh, writing on an own story. And during these two conditions, we measured the brain waves. And she found out as other scientists um, did as well, that on the creativity condition, the alpha brainwave um, is increasing. So it's in interesting that alpha actually is shutting down the areas of the brain which are involved in distracting thoughts. I mean, if you write something in a flow state, it is not the best that you think um, whether your neighbor will like your text or not. <laughs> yeah. um, and also alpha helps to increase um, of mental imagery that you really can um, bring up new ideas. And interestingly, also in inhibit, it inhibits regions of the brain which do obvious, obvious associations in semantic encoding that me this means that if we if we say um read that everybody thinks of love or thinks of a rose or something like that and this kind of um uh, obvious associations are blocked then so that new um ideas can be generated and um it's so interesting because this state of the brain during creative um, writing at um, in this context um, reminds me on meditation. And so, therefore, creative writing could possibly help to reduce stress levels. And, of course, we also could use neurofeedback to enhance creativity because of this and other studies. This is absolutely fascinating. And it's so interesting because listening to you, um, I can really identify with what you're, you're saying. Especially recently, I've noticed that whenever I feel a little bit anxious, but I'm able to tap into a creative flow state, while I'm in that state, the anxiety goes down. And then also, once I reemerge again from that state, I feel less anxious than when I started. Um, so that's, that sounds like it's in line with what you were saying about how, um, creativity like reduces intrusive thoughts and. Yes, yeah. exactly. And I think also this flow state we are in when we are creative, um, is like you, you are at that moment, this piece of paper you write, or you are at that moment, the movement you do, or you are at this moment, um, you're uh, doing a drawing or a picture, you get into, you there's no more uh, difference between you and the paper, for example. This is something like communicating or being with yourself, spending time with your inner self. And this is so, is so much um, a healing process as well. Yeah. And 
I, I so love what you just said now. And it actually also reminds me of being at one with something or how everything is is all one the state of oneness we also enter when we're in meditation yes exactly it has a correlation between meditative states and um, creativity and often we also have in in the flow of meditation this kind of aha erlebnisse we say in german and um, this is also something we have when we um doing a creative task. Yeah, so true. So cool. Actually, I should have asked you this question at the beginning, but it just popped into my mind again. Um, another question that some people might have is, does neurofeedback have any side effects, like any negative side effects? Yes, of course. Everything which works has also side effects if you use it the wrong way. That's why it's important before you start with, with neurofeedback, we put electrodes on 19 um, placements all over the head and we do a so-called QEG so that we can see the brain patterns of each individual. And um, there you can see whether a brain is much more stressed or a brain is much more underactivated. And then you, um, you do a brain training protocol for each person individually. And this is so important because we want the best outcome for everybody. And um, therefore, these kind of um, side effects shouldn't actually not be there. Sometimes when we train on the limbic system, there can be some kind of abreactations because, um, you know, the brain, for example, lives for 20 years with a trauma and got used to a kind of um, homeostasis in the brain and we try to lower this homeostasis and for a, a short time the brain could be a little bit in disbalance. Mm -hmm. So we um, recommend um, people who train on the limbic system between the third and the seventh training that they report us how it is going because this is this kind of phase we just have to um, überbrücken Mm -hmm. over um like you kind of have to move past yes it. exactly and after that it should be um stable again yeah is that actually related to what i experienced in the training when i felt dizzy after the training did that have to do with my limbic system yes your or limbic system reacted um yeah. because it didn't want it to have a change <laughs> and yeah. um nobody no uh, brain actually wants to change something which is really much in its path and sometimes when we change something um the brain isn't sure which way it has to go and then this can feel this can be that you feel a little bit dizzy or more nervous because the first time you do neurofeedback the first two days you get better and after that the stress set points want to go up again and then um, the difference feel um, feels so much more like a gap between the state, quiet state, and now the state of uh, stress. Maybe sometimes this is also a subject. That makes total sense. Um, and, and what I really love about your, you and, and your trainers is that no matter what you report to them, they know exactly what it is, why it happened and how to fix it. It's so cool. Yes. Yeah. Yes, this is so important for me as well, because, you know, the brain is a non-dynamical system and we just have to know what we do, at least at that point that we know how these brains um, look like and which kind of alternative trainings we have if something doesn't work. And this also gives them this uh, safety feeling for our clients, I hope. 
Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely feel in very good hands with you, um, which actually brings me to my next question, because in my eyes, you are one of the best neurofeedback trainers in the world, probably. So if people don't live in the Zurich area um, and can train with you, what kind of advice would you give to someone who's looking for a neurofeedback specialist? Like what kinds of things to look out for? Maybe what kind of questions to ask? Yes. Um, there are a lot of good neurofeedback trainers and excellent neurofeedback trainers in USA, in Germany, and also in Switzerland. What's important is that um, you make sure that first of all, there is a QEG of your brain that you use and that they do assess your brain before training. That's the first thing and make sure that the person who is training with you knows something about different brain patterns and also about different positions and that she trains or she or he trains with you on different brain positions. And furthermore, it could be helpful to track your successes mm -hmm. that um, you know which is your subject and which is your goal. And most of all, the person you train with should be a person you like. It's like with all um, trainers or psychologists, um, it's so important that you feel comfortable, that you can say everything, um, how you feel. And even though there is a neurofeedback equipment between you, it's nevertheless, it's so important to have a good connection to your therapist or to your trainer. That makes total sense. And in terms of keeping track of your process, do you mean like, you keep a personal notebook to see how you're feeling as you're training or how would you keep track? Yes, for example, we have like a little booklet where we, when we meet the first time, we just say which goals we want to reach. And then every, every week you um, cross, uh, you do a plus, a minus or an equal But there is also other uh, neurofeedback trainers have that um, computerized. But also, it also helps when you have, for example, a little notebook for yourself and um, keep up tracking your successes. I should actually start doing that because I haven't been doing it, but it's a great idea. Yeah. Um, And for people, if for whatever reason, um, they don't have access to neurofeedback right now, what other things do you recommend in terms of general brain health? How can you support your brain? Yes, um, as everybody says, the brain loves good nurture, vitamins, mm -hmm. um, sport, and most of all, a lot of sleep. Mm -hmm. So make sure that you sleep eight hours a day or a night. <laughs> And furthermore, um, also do some exercises between your stressful day. For example, go for a walk 30 minutes. And instead of rumoring your brain and thinking about your work, um, just focus on the things you see outside. So, I mean, uh, look at five things you see and you find beautiful, for example, um, the lake beneath you, um, the leaf you see, the, the different kind of uh, birds you see, or then what you sense, um, feel, really feel your, um, for example, the warmth or the cold of the weather, then um, realize how the earth is beneath your feet so that you really have like a mindful training on your own in these 30 minutes. For example, I have a dog and um, when I go for a walk and I'm with my um, thoughts um, elsewhere, he just does what he wants. But at that moment, when I really come back, then he is also um, with me again. Wow. Because he really realizes when I, um, I am more in the past or in the future than in the, in, in the present. 
That's so interesting. Yeah, I, I feel like animals can pick up on things like that. Yes, exactly. um, and I love, I love what you're saying. Actually, a podcast guest um, a few episodes back was talking about taking unplugged walks. So walks where you're not plugged into your phone, listening to something. So I've started doing more of those. And I love the idea, though, of bringing in this mindfulness element of um, taking note of, of your environment. You are part of the environment and you can get in contact or get in touch with the tree beside you, with the animal um, on the other side, um, with the water you see. This is actually a part of you. And in this moment, you don't feel like scattered anymore. And stress um, does this kind of... Um, distraction that you don't feel yourself anymore you're no more grounded and this is um, not a good idea to live like that because of the stress symptoms um, you will have then with anxiety or um, sleeping issues and so on as I've been hearing you speak during this entire time you said at the beginning how it's funny most people they They think of going to the gym to train, but they don't think of training their brain. And that's really interesting to me too now, especially after having um, gone through a brain training. It, I mean, it really makes so much sense to pay more attention to your brain because that's kind of where everything, it's the control center, right? Yeah. yeah. So it really makes such a difference if we pay more attention to it. So before we dive into our quick fire round, yes. um, where can people learn more about you and your work? I have a homepage. It's called www.learn/work.ch. Yes. And um, unfortunately, at the moment, I don't have any podcast until now. Yeah. And maybe this is a starting point for me to spread a little bit more of my ideas and so on. Yes. Yeah. And I'm going to put your website in the show notes as well. So yes, the listeners wonderful. can just click on it. Thank you. Um, are you ready for the quick yes. fire round? Yeah. <laughs> What is your favorite creativity inspiring snack? snack um i like actually tomato mozzarella salad <laughs> really yes that's very italian of you yes, elena exactly <laughs> elena's it's italian i like i like the most <laughs> i love that and you know you can uh, do a drawing and eating this little tiny uh, um, tomatoes and yes. the, the mozzarella beside <laughs> I love yeah. that. It's funny you're saying that because lately I've been enjoying savory snacks more, so sna snacks that aren't sweet. Yeah. And I've also been making like feta and tomatoes and mozzarella and tomatoes. <laughs> so yeah, it's a good snack. Um, when is your peak creative time? In the morning, afternoon, evening, or at night? Um, at night. So about eight to one. Really? Yeah. I yeah. didn't know I'm this a about night you. owl. Yeah. Really? Yes. So that's like, do you stay up every night that late? Um, or? Yes, unfortunately, I shouldn't, but <laughs> I like, so from 10 to 1 is my favorite time to read and to write and to do drawings. Yes. This is so and cool. It always was like that. Yeah. Wow. So while you're doing that, do you like sip on a tea or kind of how do you keep yourself stimulated so late at night? Or are you just naturally awake at that time? Yes, at that time, I'm fully awake and concentrated. And I like also doing stuff for my um, business at that time because I'm like so much focused and in a flow state. That's so interesting. Yeah. And I can imagine too, I think I'm not a night owl at mm -hmm. all, yeah. but I can see how um, being creative at that time must also be really nice because the world around you is quiet. So there's no distractions. Yes, exactly. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Oh, very cool. Chocolate or coffee? 
Um, definitely coffee, cappuccino. Ooh, also very Italian. <laughs> um, what kind of music stirs your creativity? Um, at the moment, I'm listening to two cellos. And oh, I know that. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and all these songs from, um, how is it called? Um, two Steps from Hell. These okay. are like uh, music from different movies. Okay. But I also like uh, music like the 80s. Yes. Like music from the 80s? Yes. Very cool. And also um, uh, there's another musician. It's not Mike Oldfield. It's Terry Oldfield, the brother of it, which has more like inspiring music, meditative music, which I like very, very much. Cool. Yeah. I'm not familiar with his okay. music. I'll check that out. Yes, you should. Yeah. Yeah. I, lo I love asking this question because yeah. I always learn about new musicians. Um, final question. What feeds your creative soul? My creative soul um, is um, feeded by um writing but also drawing i like painting pictures with my hand with acrylic um color but also at the moment i do like bullet books and writing little um sentences in it which is my text actually and i i uh, do some yes things like uh, bullet book style actually. <laughs>